Sweet. You guys are so good. Uh, turn in your Bibles to what book? What book are we in? Ruth. Yeah. Oh, oh it's coming. Don't worry, Julian. It's coming. So, um, you know, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty with it. I'm pretty YOLO, as the kids say. Um, and you guys may have been hearing about this iconic couple this week of uh, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, right? Possibly. Possibly. I just gained some of you, and I just lost some of you, and I'm at peace with that. Um, but tonight, we're going to learn about the original iconic couple of Ruth and Boaz. Am I right? Am I right? And join me together, as together we will raise the Ruth. Oh my gosh. Yeah! Woo! It's so good. Can we turn on the backlights only, Owen? The backlights only. Um, last time, that is, that's our boy back there, Cheerio. You go ahead, Owen. You go ahead. Yeah, perfect. Let's give it up for Owen one time. That was great. Man, that was good. Okay, so last time when Owen preached, we learned in Ruth chapter 2, verse 3. Quick little recap here, and it'll be on the screen. Ruth chapter 2, verse 3 says this. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field. This is Ruth, after the reapers. And she happened, just leave that up, and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who is of the clan of Elimelech. So she just, as Owen said last time, she just happened to wind up here. If you're a note taker here, the Bible is actually being sarcastic here, okay? Ruth just happened. The, the Hebrew here is she happened upon happening. She just happened to go to the field where we would meet the only person who could help. Come on, this isn't an accident. I wrote this in bold so you know it's legit. Here we go, right out of the gate, we're just gonna get into it. Nobody goes anywhere or meets anyone by chance. God is always at work. Nobody ever goes anywhere or meets anyone by chance. God is always at work. Um, whether it's for a brief, whether they're just in your life for a brief season, or whether they're in your life for the rest of your life, nobody is in your life by accident, okay? Again, if you're a note taker, you may want to write down Ephesians 1.11. Ephesians 1.11 is a great Bible verse that talks about how God works all things according to the counsel of his will. All things. Uh, if you've been to the SLU program, raise your hand one time with it. Okay, so a few of you, yeah. So SLU has this phrase, you are the people you meet. You are the people that you meet. In other words, the people that you meet have an effect on you. God is using the people that you meet to mold you. Does that make sense? He's using the people that you meet to mold and shape you into the person that he wants you to be. You are who you meet. And God, if, if, if nobody that you meet is by accident, that means that every person you meet, whether for a brief season or for a long season, is the Lord doing work on your soul. Does that make sense? God uses other people to transform other people. Okay? Um, so Boaz meets Ruth by chance. It's not by chance. The Lord's doing this thing. And he is deeply kind to her and cares for her. So look at Ruth chapter 2. We'll be in 13 through 23 tonight. Ruth chapter 2 verse 13 says this. Then Ruth said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Go back to the first part there, Brock. 
You have comforted me. Does everybody see that? Everybody has that in their Bible? Okay, follow this. If Ruth says that Boaz comforted her, that means that she needed comforting, right? Does that make sense? You follow that logic, that crazy theology? If Ruth is comforted, that means that she needed comforting. Ruth is someone who needed reassurance in that moment. Do you follow me on the same? I'll, I'll connect it. Ruth needed comforting. She needed to be comforted in that moment. She's not some like warrior queen or whatever. She's going into this random field where she doesn't know anybody. She's going through like, I don't know if you can relate, but like she's going through worst case scenarios in her head on her way to this place where she doesn't know anybody. What if they don't like me? What if I embarrass myself and I get kicked out of the field? She was nervous just like you and I would be, okay? She goes into this field needing to be comforted. She goes into this field nervous, and yet she's in the field, which means she was nervous about it, but she went anyway. You follow me? She was nervous about it, but she went anyway. Listen to me. In an age of anxiety, Ruth is showing us here. Sometimes, listen, Ruth is showing us here. Sometimes God's grace isn't in taking away the anxiety. Sometimes God's grace is giving us the ability to walk forward even with our anxiety. Does that make sense? I'm going to say it again. Sometimes, so Ruth is proof, bars, Ruth is proof. Some, see, I'm pretty, pretty relevant, pretty good. Sometimes God's grace isn't taking away the anxiety. Sometimes God's grace is giving us the ability to walk forward even with our anxiety. You follow that? We think that if God hasn't taken it away, then he hasn't shown up. But, what, but Ruth just said, oh, I'm so glad you're being so nice to me. I was so worried about it. Well, she's Ruth. She didn't walk in there being like, the Lord is with, like, like on wings, like the Lord is with me, he's taken, he's taken all my anxiety away. No, no, she's still nervous, but she goes anyway. The Lord gives her that grace to keep moving forward even in her distress. And so in your life, the Lord may not show up by taking it all away. Ruth was nervous, but she went anyway. Ruth was nervous, but she went to the meeting anyway. She was nervous, but she brought up the subject anyway. She was nervous, but she went for it anyway. She was afraid while she went, but by God's grace, she went. Does that make sense? Jackie Hill Perry says this, Trauma is a big deal. Listen, but sometimes I think we identify with our trauma more than we identify with Jesus. Your anxiety doesn't define you, he does. And that's huge, that's huge. Trauma is a big deal, but sometimes I think we identify with our, we identify with our trauma more than we identify with Jesus. Christianity is not the absence of difficulty. It is God giving us the grace to walk in that difficulty. You follow that? Christianity is not the absence of difficulty. Oh, this is really hard. God, where are you? He is there. He is there in the difficulty. Christianity is not the absence of difficulty. It is God giving us the grace to walk in that difficulty. Do you follow that? That's what Ruth is doing. 
Ruth trusted God and walked even though she was nervous, and we can too. You can too. Because our nerves, listen to me, our nerves don't define us. Jesus does. You are just as saved and just as much His when you are confident or when you are so nervous you can barely stand up. You are still His regardless. Your belonging to God isn't based on your confidence. It's based on His sacrifice. Your belonging to Jesus isn't based on your confidence. It's based on His sacrifice. So when you're confident and feeling good, well, yeah, you feel like you belong to Jesus. But then there are days where you're not so confident. Well, thank God it doesn't depend on you and me. It depends on Jesus. Your belonging to God isn't based on your confidence. It's based on his sacrifice. So when you're nervous about something that's coming up, when, you're, when you can't sleep, I don't know if any of you can relate, but when you can't sleep, when you just don't want to deal with this and it's coming up in two days, and the worst part about it is the two days of waiting, right? Wait anyway, walk in it anyway, and trust Jesus in that difficulty. That's where you're going to grow the most. Does that make sense? If he just took it away every time, which I know is what I would prefer, but if he just took it away every time, we wouldn't grow. You follow that? We wouldn't grow closer to him. We wouldn't know more of him. So he's with us in that difficulty, and that's what he is with Ruth. And also it says in 13, um, you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant. Words matter. Words have power. Boaz hasn't necessarily done anything for Ruth, yet he has spoken kindly to her. Words can absolutely tear down and they can also build up. They absolutely matter. Okay? They matter. All right. 14 through 16, 14 through 16, here we go. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel into the wine. I mean grape juice, just kidding. So she sat beside, no it's wine, it's wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. Oh shoot. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull out some of the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. So, lots here. So, first of all, in 14, even though he's the leader of the group, Boaz actually, go to the next slide, Brock. Boaz actually serves her, so he passed to her the roasted grain. So 14, even though Boaz is the leader of the group, he serves Ruth in 14. In 15, he gives her protection. Did you see that? When, she talk, when he talks to the men and he says, do not reproach her, do not bother her at all. So in verse 14, he serves her. In verse 15, he protects her. And in verse 16, he makes it easier for her to glean. Look at 16. And also pull out some from the bundles and leave it for her to glean. Ruth doesn't have to do it herself. She just has to pick it up as she goes. So follow this. Being served, foreigners and poor people were not served by others. But Ruth is. Being protected, 
Poor people and foreigners lived in constant danger, but Ruth is not treated like a foreigner or a poor person. She is protected. And then in 16, it's easier to glean. She's picking out grain just like an Israelite citizen, which she doesn't have to struggle and strive to get these things. Even though Ruth is both a foreigner and a poor person, she's being treated like part of the family. And this is it. In these two verses, or in 14, 15, and 16, in these three verses, Boaz is taking care of Ruth, but he's not just meeting her needs. He is restoring her dignity. You follow that? He's not just meeting her needs. Meeting her needs would be like, there's the field, go get it, do your thing. But he's making it easier for her to glean. He's protecting her, and he's serving her food, even though he's the leader. He's not just meeting her needs. He's restoring her dignity and treating her as a person. There's a book called When Helping Hurts, okay? When Helping Hurts. And part of the point of the book is that sometimes when less fortunate with less fortunate people, if all you do is give them money, that has an effect on their psyche. You follow that? It affects how they see themselves. Think about it. If you were the type of person that every time someone saw you, they felt sorry for you, and they gave you money, that affects how you see yourself. Does that make sense? That affects how you see yourself. In the book, an apartment complex for low-income housing opens up across the street from the church in the book, and the staff goes to the complex and starts knocking on doors, and they don't immediately start giving out money. They meet these people and they ask them, what are you good at? What do you like to do? What do you do for fun? And a lot of the men working in the complex worked in construction. Well, it just so happened that the church was starting to rebuild a wall on the other side of the sanctuary. And so the church said, hey, we'd love it if you guys came and helped us out. If you guys came and contributed to this with us, show us what you do. Help us do this. And so they did. Well, you like to cook. Well, we have a kitchen ministry. Well, we'd love for you to consider coming this way. And so these, these lower income people came across from this apartment into this church and they started working in the church and building up that confidence. Do you, follow, do you see how, how their, their, their mentality is changing? How they feel good about themselves instead of just someone looking at them and feeling bad and holding like a 20 out of the window. You see what I'm saying? Like it's building something in them. It's doing something in them. Now, pause. It's not necessarily, in fact, most of the time I would say, it's not a bad thing to give money to people who need it. You don't need to build up their dignity if they're starving to death. You need to give, you see what I'm saying? Like we need to help people 100%. But there's more to it than just that, right? They were restoring the dignity of these people. You can contribute. You are valuable. And this is what Boaz was doing with Ruth. He wants her to be viewed not as a foreigner and a poor person, but as a person. Does that make sense? He's treating her as a person. Are there people at your school who see themselves a certain way? Unpopular, not likable, low self-esteem. I know some of you are like, hey, Ryan, what's up? So that's fine. Those, listen, and you, but you know what I'm talking about. Are there people at your school that you know those are the people that you and I need to reach out to? Those are the people that you and I need to do the, wor the work of sitting with them at lunch, okay? 
Those are the people that you and I need to do this with, and I know that, it's, that that's hard. I know that that's hard. But too often, I think this is what happens. I think too often we will go over and be nice to the student with special needs or the unpopular kid for like 15 seconds and be like, oh, Jesus, you saw that, right? You saw that, right? Like on the way to class, like I did that. And that's this mentality that we have. And that, it's okay to be nice to them in passing, but that's not what Boaz does. He goes all the way to bring Ruth her dignity. He treats her as a person. Bring the student who has no friends into your friend group. Don't just casually give them a 20 in terms of friendship on your way to class and like you've done your good deed. Like ask the special needs student if they want to sit with you at lunch. Like can you imagine how that would make their day? How that would, how that would help them gain some confidence and feel like they're a part of it? Does that make sense? Like, and yes, yes, yes. Okay, this is not one of those things where it's like, oh, cool, preacher said this, okay, see you later, I'll see you. Like, no, no, no. If we did this, if you did this, if we did this, yes, it's hard. Yes, it's hard. Yes, time at lunch is a chance to get your phone out, hang out, decompress. Yes, it's going to drain you of some social energy. Yes, it will. But this is how the kingdom of heaven gets built. Does that make sense? Not with brick and mortar, not with political votes, but with students like you and me spending that social energy on people who could really use it, on helping people become part of our family. Look at 15 and 16 again. Look at 15 and 16 again. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let, blah, 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 let her glean even among the sheaves. Do not reproach her. And also, pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. Now, in 16, the grain has been pulled up and just put on the ground and all Ruth has to do is pick it up. Does that make sense? It's everywhere for her. Her work is no longer a burden. The food is just there. Do you know the only other time in Scripture that work was not a burden? In the Garden of Eden, before the fall of Adam, Boaz's kindness to Ruth has recreated this mini Garden of Eden for her. Does that make sense? Do you track with that? Where food was just there and you don't have to get it by the sweat of your brow. This is what Israel was always supposed to do. Spread God's glory to the world, to the foreigner. And that's what you and I, as Jesus' followers, get to do now. That's what we can do now. By bringing the Garden of Eden into your lunchroom, into the library, into your family. By bringing people in, other people in. Not treating them as charity or as your good, your good work points or whatever, but actually bringing people into your group. In 15, look at 15 one more time. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean from among the sheaves and do not reproach her. Don't you dare make fun of her. Don't you dare make fun of her. Making fun of somebody doesn't make them poor. Like it doesn't make them, it doesn't affect them like that. But it does affect how they see themselves. 
Like, who cares if they're making fun of you or not? You have food. Well, because Boaz doesn't just care about Ruth having food, Boaz cares about Ruth's dignity as a person. It's not just you don't treat poor people that way, it's you don't treat people that way. A healing is taking place here. Does that make sense? He's not just providing for her needs. A healing is taking place here. He is restoring her dignity, and we can do this too. We can do this too. Um, especially if you're, this one's for free, especially like in high school, high school meaning 9th through 12th. I don't know what's happening right now. Like, but like high school meaning 9th through 12th, especially like, no secret, I'm sorry, like whatever, but like kids who are younger than you just think you're cool. They do. It, I don't, it's like science. I don't know. They just, yes, they do. But I know some of you are like, Ryan, I hear you, but I'm not cool. Listen, they don't know that. Okay? They don't know how uncool you are. God has given you, God has given you influence, so use it. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not, like Ryan, I'm not rich like Boaz. No, but you're older than other people, so other people think you're cool because you're older. Use that influence. Like, I don't know, when I was in middle school and a high schooler said like, hey, good job, or whatever, like, that was, that was huge. Like, that was a game changer for that day when a high school, when someone older than me, when someone that I looked up to came down to my level and complimented me and brought me in. That's the gift that you have been given in high school. Does that make sense? Like, to come alongside, right? Middle school, we'll get there. Don't worry, you're fine. So 17 and 18, 17 and 18. Oh, this is a good one. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah, of barley. Look at 18. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. Uh, go back to 17, Brock. She gleans all that stuff, blah, 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 blah. Last line. It was, and all that she gathered was about an ephah of barley. Everybody say ephah. And eat no, no, with your chest. Ephah. And Ephah. All right, here we go. Boaz sends her home with, an, with a how much of barley? A what? Ephah. All right. Ephah is anywhere, in, in like modern terms or whatever, Ephah is anywhere, if any of you names like your dog Ephah now or whatever, or your hamster, whatever. I don't know. There are worse things than like a guy, like this is Greg, my hamster. Like what is wrong with people? All right, here we go. No disrespect. An ephah is anywhere from 30 to 50 pounds. That's an ephah. 1 Samuel 17, 17, if you're a note taker, 1 Samuel 17, 17 says that an ephah can feed up to 55 men. So an ephah of barley is 50 pounds. And look at 18. How does Ruth get it back there? And she took it up and went, she carries this thing. Ruth carries this 50-pound bag or whatever of barley into the city. Here's why this is important. We can't let movies and TV shows dictate what Bible characters are like. We need to let the Bible do it. This is 50 pounds plus the extra food that Boaz had given her, and Ruth carries the whole thing home. We always picture Ruth as this like dainty little Princess Jasmine type. Does that make sense? Like That's what we picture in our mind. That ain't Ruth. Ruth was stout. Ruth could like clean one. Do you know what I'm saying? Like for real. And this is not like, so she's not, she doesn't fit the mold 
of this classic American beauty. And this is not, the book of Ruth is not a classic American romance. There is romance here, but Boaz is old. He calls Ruth daughter, so they're different generations. Ruth doesn't look like what we think she looks like. Listen, this romance is built on character. That's why it lasts. This romance is built on character. That's why it lasts. So she brings, 50, she brings home 50 pounds of barley, and I read that in a typical day, the amount that a male gleaner usually comes home with is two to three pounds. And Ruth brought home, like she's got this, this whale on her back. She brings home 50 pounds of barley. Listen, the point is not, like, like obviously Ruth worked hard during the day, but this is more than she could bring home after working 15 days as hard as she could. Does that make sense? Listen, the point is not Ruth's work. The point is Boaz's grace. The point of this text is not Ruth's work. Ruth could have worked twice as hard as this and never been able to clear even 10 pounds of this stuff. And Boaz sends her home with 50. The point of this text is not Ruth's work, but Boaz's grace. Does Ruth work hard? Yeah, she does. But the theme of this text is grace. God's grace is the theme of this story, and it needs to be the theme of our lives. Too often, in, and I'm talking to Christian kids, too often in Christian circles, we flip it the other way. If you'll just work hard like Ruth, then all these good things will happen to you. If you'll just work hard like Ruth, then you'll be able to go home with all this stuff. If you just work hard like Ruth, you'll find your Boaz or whatever, right? If you'll just work hard, if, listen, listen, if you come away from this text saying, if I just work hard like Ruth, you've read the text wrong. The theme of the text is look at how this person has given so much to someone who didn't even ask for it. That's grace. And when your life begins to be changed by that, if grace is the theme of your story, then you'll be more willing to invite people in. Because you know the only reason you're in and I'm in is because of God's grace. You didn't work to get in there, so why do you look to so-and-so on how to work to get in there? Does that make sense? I heard this awesome example of when you get on an elevator, so awkward. When you get on an elevator full of people, the people are kind of looking at you like, oh, what are you doing here? And it's like, I'm just, I have to get on the elevator. And then you get on the elevator and you turn around, and then on the next floor, another person comes, and now you're the guy that's like, oh, what are you doing? And it's like two floors ago, you were the one feeling all this heat. Does that make sense? We do that in church all the time. We are welcomed in by God's grace, and then all of a sudden we turn around and we're like, what is so-and-so doing here? Do you forget how you got here? How we got here? When, that's because, listen, listen, that's because over the course of your life, even if some of you have been in church your whole lives, you're wired to think, what do I have to do to keep this job? What do I have to do to keep this grace? What do I have to do to keep, is it the good behavior? What do I have to do here to keep this love that God says he has for me? And that's because you, the theme of your life is if I work hard enough, he'll give it to me. And that is not what has happened here with Ruth, and that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is he gives abundantly. While we were what? While we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Jesus died for us. 
You can't do any, like, like I'm, I'm not going out there to the cemetery being like, hey, can you help me pick up this gaga ball? Because they're dead. They can't, sorry, like I'm not trying to be whatever. Like they can't, they can't do anything. Do you follow that? Listen, this is wild. Okay, at seminary, I mean, it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of cool, whatever. So in seminary, not my seminary, but different seminary, there was a preaching class. And the pastor was like, hey, fine. The, the lead teacher was like, hey, your final's coming up in a couple days. Be sure you study for it. So they're reading their scriptures. They're digging in deep. They're trying to fix everything and get everything right. They get to, true story, they get to school that day. Imagine this. They get to school this day, and it's a bunch of pastors in training. He loads them up into a van, and they go drive. And they're like, what are, we, what are we doing? It's like, you'll see. They go to a cemetery, and he assigns each of them a grave. And he says, tell that dead person to come to life. And they start like slowly panicking of like, one, I didn't study this, obviously. But two, it's like, I can't do this. I can't bring a dead person to life. And the pastor's like, once you get that, you'll be ready to be a pastor. Because you'll understand what the gospel really is. Do you follow me? If I just work hard enough, if I just work hard, it doesn't work like that. The theme of this text is grace. Do you see that? The gospel is what changes people's hearts. Not a new work ethic. The gospel is not advice. Gospel means what, church kids? Good what? Good good news. News is something that has already happened. You, can't, you didn't do anything. You just hear about it and it changes your outlook on the world. That's the gospel of Jesus. Okay, last thing, 19 and 20. 19 and 20. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. <gasps> and Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, this man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Okay, blessed, you see that in 19? Blessed, isn't it 19? Blessed is the man who takes notice of you. Sorry, Brock, I threw you out. There you go. Blessed is the man who takes notice of you. Follow this. When Naomi left Israel the first time, she left because there was a what? Yeah, nice, Julian. There was a famine, right? While she goes into Moab, three people close to her die. Who are they? You don't have to give names, but they're her what? Her sons die, and her husband dies. Listen, listen. She's poor. So many members of her family members have passed away. Blessed is the man who, when was the last time that you, th not, a, not a question, I'm just thinking, when was the last time you think Naomi got to bless anything in her life? When was the last time you think Naomi got to look at something and say, wow, this is, this is good, and yet, finally, here she is, getting to be thankful for something. The sun is starting to come back up in her life. Do you follow that? The sunlight is starting to finally peek through the clouds in her life. You and I have to be patient with people who are grieving, who are, who are depressed, who are in difficult places. We have to sit with them until the Lord brings the sunlight back into their lives, and that takes time. This has taken time, and that's okay. You don't have to go into church. If they're singing songs, like I call it happy clappy, where everybody... Like, like, like the little monkey thing, and it's freaking you out, right? That's okay. It's okay. Listen, it's okay if you're not feeling that today. Does that make sense? It's okay if you're not feeling it's If you are, clap away. Like, go for it. High fives and hand pounds and whatever. Let's do it. But, like, if it takes time for you, listen, 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 listen. 
We need to be a place where students who are going through it mentally can feel welcome here. Not, oh, this is just a place for perfect, happy people and I don't belong here. That's not what we do here. That's not what the book of Ruth teaches. The book of Ruth teaches that people who are going through it, it takes time to go through it. You follow me? Because you'll be there too one day. You will. Sorry for the bum out, but it's just it's life, right? It'll happen. And when you're there, you need a church that will catch you and hold on to you. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, Boaz, and then finally at the end, she reveals that Boaz is the one. And Naomi says, this is one of our redeemers. Boaz is a family member who can marry Ruth and restore the family's dignity and take care of them. He's one of the guys who can do it. Okay? So Naomi's like, OMG. What's going to happen here? All right, let's finish it up right here. 21 to 23, and then we'll be done. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with, this young, with his young women, lest, another, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young woman of Boaz, the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. Go to 22, Brock. Look at this real quick. Oh, and she lives with her mother-in-law. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. Just leave it right there. Or attacked. That means what you think it means. You can tell a lot about a society by how they treat their women. You can tell a lot about a society by how they treat women. Israel takes place, or Israel, Ruth takes place during what other book of the Bible? Judges. The book of Judges is not a good time for the people of Israel. All throughout the book of Judges, women are deeply mistreated and hurt, especially at the end of Judges where it just gets brutal. Boaz's kindness towards this woman shows like a light in a dark room. It just is blindingly obvious how different he is. Listen, one of the things that has to stand out for the church of Jesus Christ in America is how Christian men treat women and how Christian women view themselves. Does that make sense? How Christian men treat women needs to look different than how unchristian men treat women. How Christian women view themselves needs to look different than how unchristian women view themselves. That's what's happening here. That's why this is an oasis in a desert of abuse. Does that make sense? Boaz makes sure that Ruth is taken care of. So many men in Israel would not have done that and would have done the reverse. So, this is so, so, so important. So important. And then last thing in 23. Look at 23 one more time. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning, this is good, until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. Gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvest. This was a period of at least a few weeks, if not a couple of months. Okay, this one verse is a period of a few weeks, if not a couple of months. The book of Ruth does not all happen in one to two days. You could read the book of Ruth in like 30 minutes, but it doesn't all happen like this. God most often works in your life through extended periods of time. Does that make sense? 
God most often works in your life, not immediately, but through extended periods of time, through this gradual movement of grace. I have a book that's called God is at Work in Your Ordinary Days. God is at work in your ordinary days. How was school? Fine. How was practice? Fine. How was your weekend? Fine. In those moments, God is working. Does that make sense? So we need to widen our theology a little bit here. God is at work in our ordinary days. His grace weaves into the ordinary fabric of our lives. And one way I know that he's at work is that he brought you here. He brought you here to listen to this. Remember, nobody goes anywhere. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you. Nobody goes anywhere or meets anyone by chance, right? Nobody goes anywhere or meets anybody by chance. God is always at work, okay? So over the extended periods of time in your life, the Lord, just give him space to work, right? Give him space to work. All right, let's pray, and then the band will come up, and we'll finish the evening.